Welcome to the Connection Podcast. This is volume two of the season one greatest hits. You may hear something a little bit different in the background here today, and that is because Ian Bartels has volunteered his talents to record some new intro and outro music for the podcast. That's right. You heard us correctly. The Connection Podcast now has an official jingle. So we thank Ian for that. And if you love it, tell Ian what a good job he did because we we love it. So this episode involved myself, Tina Martian, and Camille Keister listening to and reacting uh, to some of our favorite moments from season one. I hope you really enjoy The next clip we have is from Kevin Durfee's episode, and there there were a lot of good moments here too on his, so it was, it was difficult to pick one to highlight, but I think a moment that was really emotional for us, and we could say this is the moment where we realized everyone cries on the show, <laughs> so true. is when Jordan Moon, who was guest hosting that day, asked Kevin Durfee about his experience as a teacher at Thurston High School during the Thurston shooting, mm. which, you know, for Camille and I, we didn't grow up in the area, but with a lot of friends that we made in the area, we realized the impact that's had on so many people's lives for for good and for bad. I'm going to cut to Durfee's clip here, and then we're going to react to some of the things that he shared. The most fascinating things that I know about Durf is, is his time as at Thurston was he was a uh, there for that Thurston shooting. Talk about that experience a little bit, what you were doing during that time and, and how that's impacted you. So, yeah, that was a smile stone type event. I was walking down the hall toward the office and, and I saw kids streaming out of the library. And I remember them yelling, he's shooting, he's shooting. And my only thought was I knew my son was in the library. That's He was a freshman and I, that's where he went. That's two minutes before the bell rang to go to class and I knew he would be in there. So it's really, really strange that I ran in to that cafeteria. Honestly, weirdly, not even thinking that somebody's in there shooting people. I ran in looking for my son. By the time I got in, he had already been tackled by a couple of other boys. He was changing his clip. He'd already shot 50 shells. Changing his clip and he'd been tackled. And I remember running and seeing a lot. There were 26 kids that had been hit by shells. And I remember running around to each one that was down, looking to see if it was my son. And then going back to to the person I thought had, you know, looked to me the worst. But early on in that event, there were five of us teachers in there. One of them was the health occupations teacher. He was a nurse and he knew what was going on. He began quickly to uh, triage. He hollered at me and said, Durf, we're going to need, we're going to have people coming here soon, which obviously that was going to happen, ambulances, but I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. But he said, we're going to need names of every kid. He said, get a piece of paper and go around and get names of every kid that's down before they get here, which was a really wise thing to do. Yeah. Or they would have been gone, you know, by, and, and so I did that. I think I'm the only person that actually went to every kid because they were some in the hallways, some all over the place. One of the boys that that died in that event was in my third period class, would have been in my class that day. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to him and, and knowing that 
I just remember the sadness of what his parents were going to feel. I remember the shock too, thinking I should be more affected. I know I was in shock of what was going on. But quickly, those kids were taken out. One of them was the shooter, which when he was, I realized, oh, that's the shooter. And I just thought, he, he's so young. That, I mean, he looked right at me. And there was nothing. I mean, his eyes, there was nothing there. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, he's so young. He was 14. I remember the days after that. I remember I slept with a nightlight for like two years. I remember we kind of guarded the gates because they didn't want a bunch of people in. And I remember a car pulling up to the south gate. And I went over to it. And three kids got out. And they were middle school kids from Medford. And they said they'd driven all the way up. And they had a little gift that they had made. They said they wanted to deliver that. And so I took it from them. And they got back in their car and drove away. And, and as they drove away was the first time that I cried because I thought, oh my goodness, they drove three hours for a 10 second interaction. And now they drove three hours back. But I just remember feeling the humanity in that moment. There was a LDS teacher along with me. His name was Bill Harris. Many people in our state know Bill. And as we walked down the hall later that Monday, there was no school, and we commented to each other that we could actually feel prayers that were being offered for that place. And so anyway, it was a, it was, it was a tough day. It was tough. You know, in a, in a way, I was one of the lucky ones. I knew very quickly that my son was okay. There were people all over the city that didn't know for hours if their kids were okay. Grandparents calling from all over the country that didn't know. And in my own family, my wife didn't know about me or there were no cell phones then um, or, or our son. So our daughters, which I didn't realize, our kids in, in elementary school were crying because they knew that daddy and Chad were there. They had no idea. It breaks my heart. Yeah. So it was a tough day. How did come, how, as, a, as a mentor of students, for those first days, like coming back? Yeah, it was, it was hard, and we had a lot of discussions. Kids were confused. They were scared. They were angry. It took a long time. It, we had, for 10 years after that, on that day, you know, a memorial, a cell. I never went to those. I couldn't do it. I just didn't. I just couldn't do it because I'd been so closely involved in that, I just, I just couldn't do it. So one of those things, it was tough. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. I, I love the power of what you tell that story. I mean, you can read about it, but that's firsthand. And, and listening here, uh, I started getting emotional listening to you tell yeah. that story because yeah. it was real, yeah. right? And, and then it, and then the fact that you're still touched by that that moment of kindness that those individuals brought touched my yeah. heart. You know, small things that people do yeah. can change the world, man. There uh, are still beams in the cafeteria I could take to you right now and show you three three bullet holes that still have the shell in them that nobody even knows are there because one of the kids had was trying to run out the back door and got shot in the rear end. 
but uh, as he was tracing him out the back door, he hit that he hit that beam three times, and wow. and uh, I noticed that that day those things are still there. Wow! And as I said, it was just one of those things. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love Kevin telling that story, and I always get choked up a little bit when I hear because I I've heard him talk before about the kids that came up from out of town and and shared a gift and. I think for me, one of the take-homes, if we want to go from a gospel standpoint, is the love of God and the light of Christ makes people that are otherwise normal do extraordinary things. And I, I think in the face of tragedy, you can see that as evidenced in the numerous kind of human moments that happened around the Thurston shooting. And expanding more broadly, I think that as a member of the church, I, I see the impact that the love of God can have on people as we go about our daily lives as, as members of the church. I even think recently at, at going to encampment, I, I see, you know, older kids who generally, you know, 17, 18, they should be too cool for school. They should be making fun of the younger kids. And I, I see them loving each other. And I, I see that I go to encampment and my younger son, you know, who's only 13, all the older kids have given him a nickname and, and they're like genuinely offering friendship. And I, I see the same thing at girls camp when, when the kids just love each other. It reminds me the, the power of, of, the love of, of Christ to really change behaviors and, and take otherwise normal people and, and make them extraordinary. And I, I think that as awful as everything, that, and it really was awful, you know, the, the Thurston shooting, even though we weren't around here for it, tragedy like that shows us the profound way in which humans can step up for each other. Tina, what were your thoughts? I was actually in high school. His son, Chad, and I are the same age. So we were freshmen, I think. I want to say that's right. But I went to North Eugene, so I didn't go to Thurston. So I wasn't there in the building uh, at the time. But I remember just kind of what you were talking about, that it's awful that it was a tragedy that kind of brought that camaraderie. But we, you know, we felt for them. And um, I just remember during softball season, we all wore, um, everybody in the league wore these armbands just in kind of, solidarity you know to show support and um i don't know it's cool the way that that works uh hard hard times but um awesome the way that that the light of christ can work through people during those times um i remember hearing something during um the whole boston marathon bombing and in that time and and there was a lot of fear and and people were I'm scared, but I remember hearing something. I don't remember if it was like general conference talk or what it was, but they were telling the story about it and and how one of their kids was scared and they and they said, Well, look for the people doing good. You know, when when you have a tragedy or something that's really hard, look for the people doing good. And that's where you see Christ in those moments. Because I think sometimes we're like, oh, if God loved us, this wouldn't happen. He would never let that happen, but people have agency. Um, and he doesn't stop everything from happening. That is just not the way it works. And so we can see God's hand still in the middle of of that tragedy. And it would be really interesting to hear 
you know, some of the people that were in that room, but I know that's, that's hard for them to talk about. Alan was there and he doesn't talk about it much, but um, I think he kind of has some of those same lessons that, that Kevin was saying about the humanity of people um, that came, came to the aid and, and the support from people outside of the situation. So I think that's, it's a cool way that God reacts to a bad situation, right? Um, he makes lemonade even when the lemons are really sour. And I think that you're, you're right on. It, it depends on the lens you're looking at. I, I think in a tragedy like that, you can immediately start the kind of cliche question of why would God allow this? But if you flip it, you can also see all of the manifestations of God through the actions of other people and and through the love that they share in a time that's terrible. Yeah. We're going to we're going to move forward now to an episode this was our first episode interviewing one of the youth in the church. This is Brianna Rabin. And many of you know Brianna who will be attending Utah State next year and running track. She's very accomplished in track, music, uh, myriad other ways and she shared what it's like being a very busy youth and still finding time to connect with Christ. We ask in our show notes about what role being a member of the church has played in your life. And one thing you responded with is, I'm able to be reminded of the love that he has for me, referring to Jesus Christ. I wanted to know what does remind you of the Savior's love? I think that something that reminds me of the Savior's love for me is looking at my life and what I love and remembering that He has given me everything that I love. One thing that everyone I feel like has something in their prayers that they keep consistent. And one thing for me is I always say, please know that I know my strength comes through and from Thee, and please bless me with that strength. And that's something I say all the time in my prayers because it reminds me that everything I've done and everything I have comes from Him and saying, I want those blessings and I'm ready to do anything for those. So I think that just knowing that we have that open communication and that He's willing to communicate to us and give us those blessings helps me remember that He loves me. <laughs> I, was, I like the being grateful for things that you love. I, I try to reflect on that sometimes too. I'm up on the mountains or something and just mm -hmm. like, thanks for doing that. Yeah. That was awesome. I think that's extra special coming from you, the whole your strength is my strength, or my strength is your strength. Mm -hmm. well, I'm talking to like a state <laughs> champion here, so it's like, I guess so. Yeah, so I don't it's, know. Puts I it just, in perspective. Yeah, I feel like definitely being humble has been something that's been really important to me. Like, I don't know, when I, when I heard that I was gonna be on a podcast, I was like, oh no, they're gonna ask you about all my accomplishments. And I mean, I'll talk about them, people ask, but I usually don't advertise that. But just realizing and recognizing that Heavenly Father is is the reason for all of our success and I think doing that helps us to have more success because He wants us to be instruments in His hands and if we're able to be successful in what we're doing um, while also being great valiant members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints then He'll be able to magnify our efforts and, and make what we do really count and really affect the lives of others I feel like. So I, I like a couple of things that Brianna says there. Uh, the first is having a different dialogue with God. And what I mean by that is, I, I think that our prayers, this this isn't earth-shattering, people already know this, our prayers can get a little bit lazy, we can talk about the same thing over and over again. And I think that 
having more of a running dialogue with God throughout the day is a goal that I have and I, I think that we all should have. And finding ways to express gratitude for the things that we notice throughout our day. And, and for me, one thing that I've noticed is just finding beauty in the world and calling God out from time to time, just acknowledging a beautiful day, being out in nature, enjoying that. But as, as Brianna was getting into as well, acknowledging the ways in which he has given us strength and just calling that out and talking with him about that, expressing gratitude for what he's given us, not only materially, but the talents that he's blessed us with. I don't think that's prideful. And in fact, I think that's a way that we can express humility, as Brianna was talking about, is, is knowing the strength and identifying the strength that he's given us. And one thing that's actually came up on this show before, too, is we're not always great at identifying our own talents and abilities. And, and one of the greatest things I think you can do for a friend, family member, whoever is, tell them something that they do that's exceptional. It's something that stands out that's unique to them because it, it's one of the best ways you can bless somebody's life is, is helping them to know how they are talented, how they are unique. I, th I think that's a way that they can connect with God better too, is, is knowing their talents and how to leverage those. I really like that. And I was just thinking, I like her example of acknowledging that her strength comes from Christ and, and she asks, you know, to be blessed by that strength. I was just thinking about, I don't know, a little while ago, I lay down in bed and every time I'm like, why do I lay down in bed and then remember to pray? <laughs> so it's just like, and then I'm so tired. And anyway, I was just like, how about I pray for to remember to just speak to him throughout the day mm -hmm. and just to make that more instead of like, I am only going to pray at night and in the morning when I wake up, like I can pray throughout the day and, and remember him in my heart. And, you know, like Jason said, acknowledge the beauty around me. And that's, that is a form of prayer. Um, I had another thought that I cannot remember. Yeah, no, um, gosh, I had quite a few thoughts. I'm try to I focus know. myself. Um, I love Bree so much. She is in my seminary class and, um, she is extremely talented. And I think a lot of her talents are outward talents. You know, like mm -hmm. you were saying, she's good with music and in sports and, um, academically, like she's just really talented. And um, the thing I love about her so much is that that acknowledgement, you know, she she knows where her talents come from and she's completely humble. You know, if you if you say, you know, like, I just loved that piece that you played on the cello. It was amazing. Thank you for doing that. And she's just like, you're welcome. You know, but she's just very humble about it. It's not, it's not a, well, yeah, I know I'm good at stuff, you know, even though she knows she's good at stuff, right? Yeah. When you're good at things, you know, um, but especially when they're kind of outward like that, right? Like you, you know, you're good at sports, you know, you're good at the cello. Um, and all those things come with work. It's not like she doesn't work hard. She totally does. But I just love that about her that she can acknowledge that it comes from God. And I love that statement. She said, how did she say it? All the things I love come from, come from God. Yeah. yeah. 
So all the things that she loves. And I thought about that when you were saying sometimes we don't recognize our talents because we don't all have outward talents like Brie does. Um, a lot a lot of talents are kind of inward or, you know, we're good with people or we're good with listening or we're good. You know, it's things that we don't think about as often. I think one person told me one time that I have a gift for gathering people, which I thought was interesting. I was like, I've never heard that before. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of an introvert, so that's weird. But I do love <laughs> to gather people and get them and go places. And and sometimes I forget that I'm friends with these people, but they may not be friends with each other. You know, <laughs> So that is a challenge when gathering. But um I just love that. And like you were saying, we need to tell each other, what yeah, what are do, your talents, do. right? I think people don't realize, but that's a good way Brie brought up of thinking about how do I figure out what some of my talents are? Well, what are the things that I love? You know, maybe I love talking with people. Maybe I, I love making birthday cards, you know, like my daughter loves to make birthday cards and they pop up and they're amazing. Like she just loves doing that. And, and to be able to recognize that those things that we love are probably because they're gifts from God and we should be, you know, kind of passing on that gratitude. Yeah. And, and I, I think that identifying those talents can be such a remarkable way of helping us to build the kingdom yeah. in, in, in our work in the church, because, you know, there's certain things we're just not good at. And, and if we try to just pound it in and, and, you know, become better at something we're not naturally talented at. Sure, we can get a little bit better, but I think where we really start to find our groove is is when we learn what those talents are and leverage them to do something good. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we can really get on fire in the gospel, I think, mm-hmm. is is when we realize that. And and that's where it gets back to the parable of the talents, which is retold in several different ways in the scriptures. I I really think that's where it's at is is we identify it and we multiply it. Yeah. So cool. I was going to say like we can pray and ask God to lead us to or to help us, you know, grow those talents and help us um recognize those talents in ourselves. Yeah. All right. So one more clip that we're going to react to today and this is from our second youth interview. This was with Lauren Stockford, and there were, there were a lot of good stories. She had a, it, if you want to go back and listen to the whole episode, she talks about her mission trip to Africa. They're just a bunch of different things. But she shared a story about a time when she was really struggling, and she prayed for hours. Mm. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into the clip. We'll share more about our, our thoughts at the end here, but just really need to see how she shifted her thought from one of negativity and hopelessness to having hope and feeling love and support. Oh, you talked about like what role being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ has played in developing your relationship with Christ. But then also you have stuff like in here, like the holiday farm fire. And I know that was like really hard on a lot of people. I just want to know maybe like how um, those work together in your life. That was difficult because for a while we were told that our house was burnt down when in reality they mixed up the areas, so our house was fine. But we went a while thinking that we were going to have to go someplace else. It was difficult because I had that friend group, and a lot of some of their houses burnt down, and there was a lot of survivor's guilt to know that, you know, I had people at my school whose house was demolished, and yet mine was still standing. And that was definitely scary to go through, but I think that was also a big turning point and that made me realize that my friend group was not the best because they kind of used that to turn against me 
and that was I was like okay I'm done and the last little thing on your stories from your life you said you prayed for hours you don't have to get into the specifics of why but you said you'd be willing to talk about that I did I a few years ago I think I was 14 almost 15 we were at my grandmother's house and I was going through something and it was very difficult on me and I felt very alone and I it was late at night so everybody had gone to bed and I was in my in the room I was staying in and I was very terrified both physically and spiritually and I felt that there was no way that I could come out of the pit that I was in but I remembered always being told you know pray about it and you know things will get better so I was like okay and I prayed for hours and hours, but I wasn't doing it correctly. I was very much going, you know, like, Dear Heavenly Father, please bless that this will go away. And then I would wait a few seconds, and then I would do that again and over and over. And the part that made me so upset and so mad was not only was I in such fear of what I was going through and who I was, but the fact that I could feel God's presence beside me, and yet he was doing nothing. And that made me so angry and so upset. I was like, I'm praying, I'm asking, and I've done everything that you've asked of me, and I feel you here, and you're just watching me. And I remember being so upset that I was about to give up and just be like, fine, I'm not going to pray anymore if you're just going to sit there and, and do nothing. And I remember I had, finally my head was you know quiet. I wasn't praying over and over and over and over again. And the thought came to me, it was maybe you should be a bit more sincere in what you're saying and what you're asking. So I was like, okay. So I collected myself a bit more, and I slowed down when I was thinking what I was saying. And the minute I slowly said, Dear Heavenly Father, I was hit with, like, this wave of peace and this calmness that just surrounded me. And I've never, ever felt anything like that in my life. And I got to have a really amazing moment with some of my ancestors who I've never met before and I didn't see them necessarily but I knew where they were in the room and I and I knew that some of them were ancestors and I knew that some of them were angels and they were I felt them all hugging me almost as if they were touching me and that experience I feel like after that I can never ever doubt the gospel and I remember I finished my prayer and I still felt them for a long time afterwards and I was almost angry with myself at how angry I had been and I think it was a lesson that I really needed to learn that sometimes when you feel like you're not receiving an answer sometimes you just have to self-reflect and you have to ask yourself am I doing this the way that God intended it to be done and it's something that it wasn't a one-and-done kind of thing either. It's something that I still struggle with, and it resurfaces every now and again. And because of that, I have developed phrases, and I've developed resources that I turn to when it begins to resurface, and I am able to prevent myself from spiraling again. And that growth has been such a big thing, and I think it's important to know that sometimes, I don't know if this will be something that I struggle with, all my life or if this is just till I mature or get older more and have more experience or things like that but even then I think it's important to know that not everything is going to be a one and done especially 
you know, I thought I could just say a quick prayer and everything that I was feeling and and that would all go away and it didn't. And I thought that after that big experience, I would never go through that fear and, and anguish again. And I did. And but it was better the next time because I knew that the first time he was there and I knew how to overcome it. And then the next time it was even better and it was easier. And that experience has definitely changed the entire of my life. And it was something that I refused to talk about for a long time. And I recently opened up about it at girls camp because our whole thing, our whole theme was come unto Christ and don't come alone. And I really wanted these girls to know who may not have somebody in their family or their friend group that they, that there are other people that they can help. I, one thing I really liked from that story that Lauren shared is it, sometimes we see somebody who's struggling and maybe they're mad at God, whatever. We, we've talked about this in other episodes and we're often tempted to say, well, they're just going astray. They're, they're losing. They're becoming disenfranchised or whatever with the gospel. And, and we look at them as a lost cause. And the way I want to think about this more is when you see somebody that is mad at God, they're actually fighting for their life. That person who's mad at Heavenly Father, they're still talking to him. They're still having a conversation. Sometimes it's not about immediately correcting that behavior or, or correcting their mindset, but just staying in the conversation and, and letting them unlock that eventually. And I, I see where Lauren in this story was, was at a point of struggling and, and saying, Heavenly Father, you're right here. Why aren't you doing anything? But she stayed in the fight, I think is the, the thing I wanted to state on here. She, she stayed in the fight and was able to shift that mindset. And you see the payoff where she was able to feel the love and support of Henley father and, and people around her. And, and we could talk more about that too, but what, what was you guys' reaction? I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Camille's still gathering. Um, I was thinking I've got to work with Lauren over the last few years quite a bit through seminary and also girls camp. And I'm just feeling so many things when I listen to her talk about that story. Um, but also have somebody in our family that, that struggles with almost the exact same thing. Like I've heard that story. She's told it in seminary with a little bit more detail and and it just kind of brings it home to me. And we were um, just studying the atonement, right, over the last couple of weeks. And I love the part in the garden where he goes to pray and it talks about how the anguish comes and then the angel's there to support. And then instead of walking away from that, he he doubles down his prayer. Um, and it says he prays even harder. And um, I also think of Joseph Smith kind of in that situation in the sacred grove when Satan was just on top of him, and he felt like he was going to die. And instead of walking away from it, he doubled down, and he prayed harder, and and then the the light came. And I feel like that's kind of where Lauren was at. You know, she was like, "This is hard, and I'm in the middle of it, and you're not helping me, and I don't know what to do." And and instead of walking away from that, she's like, "No, I'm I'm going to go back, and I'm going to try this again, and I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to be." you know, in that moment more 
And I think that um, it just applies to so many things in our own our own struggles and our own journeys. Is to instead of walking away, you got to double down. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those times, I think that's when we can finally, you know, feel what the Savior is offering us. Is like he's he's like, don't walk away from me, and I'm I'm gonna give it to you. It just maybe it's gonna take more time. Maybe it's gonna take a different type of effort. Maybe you need to get your mind around it in a different way. But you're gonna find it, you know. And so just don't give up on that, but to double down on it instead. So it's a yeah, good story. and you're have a little compassion on yourself too. Yeah, you know, don't don't view it as I must be this terrible person because I'm angry in my relationship with God right now. Like stay in the fight, stay in the fight, and this will work out. Yeah, you know? or I used to think that I was broken because I yeah. was. I felt like I never got answers, and I just learning in just the last few years, you know, how the spirit speaks to me differently, and I just wasn't seeing it. Like it was there, but I wasn't seeing it because I just didn't understand. And I used to think that that was I was so broken, you know. And I would think, well, I believe in prayer, and I know it works. I've seen it work for him, and I've seen it work for her, and I've seen it work for them. But I don't see it work for me. And I thought it was my fault. You know, so sometimes it's not that you're angry with God, but that you think that you're the problem. Yep. And usually it's just you got to get aligned. <laughs> you know, like you're trying to do it one way and God's trying to do it another way. And somehow you just you need to double down and figure out, OK, how are we going to do this together? And it usually takes something outside of your situation to help you through that. But I love that Lauren just went back and was like, no. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to change something here and I'm going to try to realign myself so that I can I can see that answer. That's where I see a lot of value in the church organization too. It one of many things, right? But we we talked about that in in church today is it, one of the most beneficial things of going to church every day is you talk to other people and you hear their experience and I think that's for me going to church where a lot unlocked where I was seeing myself just like you as, well, everybody else gets this, but the things don't work for me. It must be a personal problem to where I'm unique, um, uniquely broken, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and and, th- and then realizing after hearing other people that, oh, you go through that um, experience of not feeling like you get answers right away. You go through that experience of feeling like you're awkward. You You feel like Heavenly Father was mad at you mm. at one point. And realizing that you're not alone in that, I think it can help unlock a lot of things. And and then you can make that progress of learning what revelation is to you, yeah. learning how God speaks to you and helps you during difficult times. Um, I like that. I know we've talked about like God and Christ meeting us where we're at. Sometimes I feel like He also wants us to stretch and Mm. and get to where he's at so our like you were saying tina like so our thoughts and our actions can align with what god's will is yeah and i like that thought of doubling down and just you know not thinking that he's going to abandon us or he's abandoned us during that moment but realizing like i'm not going to give up on him i know he's not going to give up on me and just trying to change that thought process like Lauren did. And so he, the two of you are aligned, like you're aligned with Christ. Yeah. My co-host had to take off before recording this final segment. For our last clip during this episode, we're going to go over an episode we did with Lauren Schofield. We talked with her about 
the process of converting to the church. She did not grow up a member of the church, but had a lot of interaction with different members and, and different experiences at, at girls camp and things like that. And, and she'll share more in the clip that we're about to play here. But what I really liked and why I included this clip is it just shows the power of the spirit and how it can help in our conversion process. And it also shows the importance of having a church and having a place to gather and, and worship and being a part of the restored gospel on earth today. So when I was young, I'm, I'm not born into the church or anything. And my parents divorced pretty early and there was kind of no like set religion for me. My mom grew up Catholic. And so you know, she was the C&E churchgoer, which is Christmas and Easter. And so, you know, we would kind of, I would go with her, me and my brother and her, um, we'd go to church on Christmas and Easter. And other than that, I kind of uh, was exposed to different, I guess, religions and churches through friends, mostly just, you know, if I was at a sleepover or whatever, and their family went to church the next day, I would join them. Um, or friends, you know, invite me to different activities or things like that. But, you know, I didn't really have any, um, any certain one that I would follow. And so when I was in junior high, I made some new friends and they invited me to things like youth conference and girls camp, you know, mutual sometimes. So thank you. See where I'm going with this. They were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I guess it was a few years into our friendship, probably more like in high school when they actually invited me to start meeting with elders and taking the lessons. And so why you here why you're here, where you're going, what happened after this life and I don't it just kind of felt like these puzzle pieces were coming together in my head and it was all making sense and they were saying that they explained to me that that was the spirit working and that's kind of how how I feel it. And so after high school I graduated, um, came up here for school like I said to U of O. And my freshman year, I all of a sudden got really homesick, which I had never been homesick in my life. Um, I went to all kinds of camps, you know, week-long camps and just like had never had an issue being away from my family or anything. But I just felt this weird yearning to go back home. And Easter was coming up and I was like, well, you know, it's kind of ingrained in me. I got to go to church on Easter. I got to find somewhere to go. And I remember my friends telling me about something called Institute. So I looked up the address and I showed up there. Um, it's on what, East 16th Avenue. I think a lot of us in the area know the Institute building well. I showed up there at 10 a.m. Um, Easter Sunday. And when I walked through the doors, of course, you know, sister missionaries just like they scuttle, they kind of hurry right up to you because you're someone new they haven't seen before and they're all excited. And um, I, I realized I couldn't even speak. I was really overcome with emotion of feeling like I was in a familiar place. Um, even though I had never been there before. And I, it just kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, I think this is what I've been yearning for. This, I think this was the, I was homesick for my heavenly home, um, not so much my earthly home. And, you know, I think the sister, sister missionaries probably felt like they found like this golden egg because I, I knew everything already. I had taken, you know, several years worth of lessons, I feel like, with the missionaries before. Um, so like two weeks and later I was baptized and, um, yeah, and now here I am. Um, when you were, okay, you said that you were going to churches here and there with friends. How old were you when you started doing that? 
Oh, I mean, that was kind of all throughout growing up. So, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school. Um, yeah. Okay. And, w and when you're uh, going, you know, like to your friends, was it something that like, intrigued you at the time? Or are you just like, eh, and just like. Kind of. It, yeah, I would say it just kind of felt like the respectful thing to do. You know, if I was at someone's house and they said a prayer before a meal, and, you know, I go ahead and pray. Or if, if they invite me to church, I, I say yes. Um, it just felt like. I felt like the nice thing to do. I wouldn't say that I felt really all um, like intrigued in what uh, was happening at church, maybe. Um, and I think actually some of it really didn't click until my friends invited me to um, a sacrament meeting where I was sitting there. I'm like, it's exciting and colorful. And yeah, it's, you know, that's fun and all. But um, I don't think it felt like anything real until I, I sat through a sacrament meeting. A reason that I included this clip from Lauren Schofield is I just love her sharing the testimony that she had and the witness of the spirit that she was in the right place. I think we can all personally relate to that at some point. I, I know for me in my own faith journey, there was a time where church attendance wasn't regular and I felt like something was missing in my life, but I could not pinpoint it. And I can really relate when she says coming into the building, just, just being there, being with the saints, you feel like it's a homecoming, but you're not coming back to your old high school or the house you grew up in. You're coming back to your heavenly home and being with your brothers and sisters in the gospel. So I love that. And I shared this clip with a lot of people. I've, I've shared it with the missionaries. We actually played this during our lesson in Priestquorum last week because I, I think it's so powerful and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We're going to continue doing these Greatest Hits episodes. I think we have four or five planned out. Might be a little while till the next one. We got to do some more recording and reaction, but uh, let me know what you think of these in the comments or or send me a message anything like that uh, we really enjoyed doing them i hope this gives you a little bit of a feel for some of the things we've enjoyed from season one especially if you haven't been able to listen to every episode but you're able to kind of go through these greatest hits episodes until next time take care and we look forward to connecting with you soon Thank you for joining us for The Connection Greatest Hits, Season 1, Volume 2. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you could, take some time and, and share this with somebody that you love or somebody you think could really benefit from it. Part of the reason we're making these Greatest Hits episodes is we know that we have a lot of content out there, and it's maybe hard to go over every single episode, but as somebody that's been involved in this whole process there have been so many wonderful testimonies shared hilarious and, and interesting stories shared and we want to get those out to you in a, a different way and we're hoping this is one manner in which we can accomplish that until next time take care of yourself bye